folks. Welcome to another episode of Not Another Film Podcast. Now, this is normally the podcast where we take movies we used to love as kids and we re-examine them in the harsh and sobering light of 2021. But fuck the rules. Fuck the rules. Today, due to just, you know, wanting to really just get down in the nitty gritty of some of of, of some user requested content. Mm-hmm. And also because we were on a time crunch, yeah. we decided to do a special episode of television. Yeah, and also because we were just having rough weeks and we were just like, what's comfort food? And apparently for both of us, comfort food comes in the form of Influenza, season two, episode 16 of Even Stevens. <laughs> the musical episode of Even Stevens. I love a musical episode. I would do an entire run. Maybe this is maybe this is like for the future. Mm-hmm. Maybe we dedicate one month to this out of the year where we just go through musical episodes of TV shows. Oh my God, yeah, that's so, so great. Raven like, has a musical episode. I was going to say, we can do once more with Feeling, the Buffy musical episode. Love we that. could do the Scrubs musical episode. Yeah. Trying to think of what else had a musical episode. Supernatural had a musical episode. Supernatural had a musical episode. Technically, it's eh, diegetic versus non-diegetic. It's a whole discussion, but it, it counts. Those Winchester boys don't sing, and they that's don't my problem. Sing, and I was I was mighty disappointed that they did not. But good thing for even Stevens, everyone fucking sings in yes. this. But much honestly, like I'm I'm amazed that they got this done. Yeah, they had a lot of songs, too. They had, like, probably seven or eight songs for a 22-minute episode of television. Yeah, they got it right in there, yeah. And I had all of them on my iPod. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. You got them on LimeWire. Yep. You had to download them on LimeWire. 100%. Same way that I downloaded all of the the songs from that South Park episode where they they become the Christian rock band. Downloaded all of those, too. Faith Plus One. Yep. Great. South Park could have an entire, like, that's a whole month in and of itself of music. One day we'll talk about the South Park movie, which is genuinely, like... A guaranteed fucking classic. Like, I genuinely think Up There, Satan song from South Park, the movie, is a really incredible musical theater song. I Yeah, I it would... It is an amazing I Want song that has an incredible build, some great vocals... And it is just like a fucking banger beginning to end. Go back and listen to it. It's a fucking banger. I'll, I'll do you one better. I think that whole soundtrack. Yeah. The whole soundtrack of, of I'd say Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. 90% of the soundtrack. Yeah, we can cut the Saddam Hussein song. We, we can don't cut that need entire, it. that entire thing. We don't need it. And just keep the rest of it. But I a really a solid chunk of that movie has is incredibly well-made music. Let, well, let's get into Even Stevens. What's your experience with this show? Were you a fan of the show? Were you a fan of this episode? What, mm-hmm. like, t- tell me how, how you found yourself to the, the story of Ren and Louis Stevens. Oh, I was huge Even Stevens fan. Okay. Huge, 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 huge Even Stevens fan. This is where my loyalties lay on the Disney channel. Oh, so this is like your live, the live, because there's, there's a very big difference between animated Disney and live action yes. Disney. Live action Disney, this is, this is my jam. Okay. This is what I chose over Lizzie McGuire. Like I, I have more loyalty to Even Stevens than Lizzie McGuire, and I because I love Ren Stevens. That makes so much sense. I feel like that tracks for me really hard. I, I feel like I'm much more of a of a Ren than I am a like Lizzie or a Gordo or a Miranda. Um, I love Even Stevens. This particular episode, um, might be my like most watched episode of television of like all time. <laughs> Really? I watched this I watched <clears throat> this episode religiously. When we turned this on today, it was the first time I've seen it in maybe like five years because I remember watching it on YouTube a few years ago. 
um, because I just wanted to go back to it. And like every time I go back, I know every lyric, every song, it comes back immediately. Every single beat of this episode is etched into my brain. It's like this episode and the um, and the Halloween episode where Lewis uh, is dressed up as a penguin jockey. That was one of my favorite episodes. And everyone's well. like kind of getting turned into aliens because of their the vision check that's going on at school. Yep. And the chocolate milk fucking etched into my brain. Yeah. And like the Hanukkah episode. I remember the Hanukkah episode. The Hanukkah episode was big for us. Um, yeah. No, I agree. Sorry, I interrupted you. So th- when you first saw Influence, like when you first, do you remember like, was there a lead up for you before this came out? Because I remember they advertised this pretty heavily. Oh, I was hyped. That they were doing a musical I was a little episode. theater kid. I fucking love musicals. <clears throat> okay, that's what I thought. Always have, always will. Anytime that there's a musical episode, even if it's on a show I don't watch, I'm going to tune in for a musical episode because I'm just very excited that a musical is fucking hap- happening at all. I mean, we, we, Ian and I are developing a show and we're like, cool, we got to put musical numbers in it at some point. Because of even Stevens. Yeah, I no. mean, like, it's, it is formative, though. Like, I do, like, have such a fondness for musical episodes of pieces of media. So, like, I think a lot of people in our generation do. So it, it's that thing where, like, the things that you loved as a kid form your loves as an adult and as a, when you go into becoming a creator. Yeah. So it's like, if the second you put me in charge of anything that can even remotely justify a musical episode, I'm going to go in and balls to the wall advocate for a musical episode. Yes. I, I would. I, so I think like yeah. stuff like this is like, not only did I love it as a person, it was formative to me as a creator. Sure. Um, so I, I just have such a fondness and like always will for the, for this particular episode. And the songs are just like really catchy and I still sing like hum them to this day. You know what I really appreciate about this? Before I get into my total history of oh, Ian yeah. Stevens as well. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to hear. I appreciate that Jim Wise, who wrote these songs... I just found that out today that he that he wrote it. Yeah, Coach Tugnut himself... Wrote all the songs. A storied career. And of, wrote all of, the songs for the That's So Raven uh, yep, musical episode. A storied career of writing music for for several things, for but for a lot of Disney Channel shows. And um, for Spongebob, I think. For Spongebob as well. He was the Goofy Goober singer in the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. The rock singer. Dude's got a killer voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing I really appreciated about this, I remember even as a kid, uh, although I don't think I realized kind of how incredibly difficult this, this would be when I was that age, is that every song in this episode sounds completely different. Yes. Every song is a different style mm-hmm. and like ha- like modulates into a bunch of different like... Not mm-hmm. keys necessarily, but different styles within the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, what's the matter with Ren goes from being like this kind of 1950s song to having like this hip hop breakdown that Larry does, and mm-hmm. then like combines it at the end for this kind of like cool, almost like 80s Janet Jackson outro. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on in a lot of the music, even if the singing is not always up to snuff. No, but it always does feel like the. Um, like the genre of song and the the build of the song is complementary to telling the story of the characters. Yes. It always feels like even if they're not singing it like particularly well sometimes, it always feels like it's like, oh, if this character did burst into song, this is what it would sound like. 
Yeah. I think it all tracks for me. Lewis is a lot of jazzy pianos. Yeah, like, he's like a little scamp. So he has one of those like almost vaguely a patter song. You know, like I feel yeah. like that's the only thing that would get even closer to him. You I know? mean, he always finds a way. He always finds a way, but it is very mischievous. It is very old school. And I, I love that for him. Whereas like Ren is going to have a more classical musical theater song because she is more regimented in her thinking. So she would have a more classic style because if she's going to do this, she's going to do it right. Oh yeah. No, she's a Rodgers and Hammerstein person exactly. through and through. Uh, even though this song is is not very Rodgers and Hammerstein. But Yeah, but then like when Larry comes in, he's going to come in and put his own spin on it because like he has to be the center of attention. And because that actor is on fire. He's also like they knew like it's also this also is the case with musical episodes is that there's always one or two cast members that they know can do it. So they're just like, okay, cool, you'll do the heavy lifting. Go. We're just gonna give you a chance to fucking flex. And that's the other thing I love about musical episodes is that it's always some random member of the cast that you kinda didn't know was that good. Yeah. And then you're just like, holy shit. And like you can tell that everyone in, in the writer's room and everyone behind like the, the screen and all of their coworkers are so excited for them to get to have a moment of showcase of like showing this special skill that they've been waiting for. So it always like, I always get like this really like warm feeling in my heart of just like, oh, everyone must have been so excited that you got to show off. Like, yeah, I love that. I love it too. I think it's wonderful. It's a beautiful moment of ensemble that I, just, I adore. Yeah, I was I was much like you in terms of Even Stevens. I loved Even Stevens. Mm-hmm. I uh, was a huge, 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 maybe, you know, I don't know if it's even problematic to say anymore, whatever, I don't know, the saga of Shia LaBeouf, but mm-hmm. I was a huge Shia LaBeouf fan for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um... And really, really loved him on this show, mm-hmm. uh, which got uh, massively <laughs> retrofitted in my brain after seeing Honey Boy and oh, yeah. realizing what the back, the context of a lot of this work was done under. Yeah. Um, but I just thought even from like when I was you know 12 or 13 watching him and like this and like the Battle of Shaker Heights and a couple of the, the early movies that he did, True Confessions, how can one forget? Oh, God. Like... <clears throat> That's a movie I don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole. No. No, not at all. But I think what you get from that (laughs) is that Shia LaBeouf is just one of those actors that just fucking goes for it. Yeah. Um, Even if, like, in these early stage of his career, it's, like, it's just energy that's just kind of, like, scattershot all over the place. Yeah, it doesn't always work, but you're always kind of like, I appreciate Mm -hmm. that you're going for it. And he's just got, like, a magnetism on screen. You just kind of do get drawn to him. And I do think for... Like, Louis Stevens was an archetype that we had seen in so many shows of, like, the little scamp, you know, shitty little brother. But I do think it kind of reached its apex and then fell out of style very quickly after. I think after Louis Stevens. It's a very specific subset of a character that has been popular and is p- coming back into being popular now. I think it's... you. <clears throat> it is, like, the specific younger brother like shitty little brother subset of the like quirky best friend type that we saw in like the Adam Brodies and then that came back through for like the Dylan O'Briens where it's like okay this is the secondary lead that can do the more mischievous stuff that can do the more uh broadly comic stuff and that usually ends up with a bigger fan base than the lead themselves who is usually more straight laced would you consider them I would I always consider them co-leads like Ren and Ren and Lewis. 100%. I think when you're thinking in terms of a classic narrative, it's not even necessarily screen time. 
I think it's just like you always go to the person who is like the grounding force and that's the lead. Hmm. I always just kind of, I do view them as co-leads, but I do think like you, you just thought of him in terms of like, he's the younger brother. Sure. Sure. Maybe it's also because I came to it as a girl. So I'm like, Ren's the lead for me. What about like Ramona and Beezus? I don't. I've and never like seen the her. Beverly Cleary books. I have never met a or seen a Ramona and Beezus. You've never. Okay, so did you have any? What about like Fudge? No. Like the Judy Blue? No, nothing. No. Wow. I got nothing. That's wild to me. I don't have any frame of reference for that. You never read any Judy Bloom or Beverly Cleary? I'm sure I did, but it didn't stick in my brain. Wow. Mouse and the motorcycle? Nope, didn't get in there. Oh my god, this is shocking to me. Um, okay, well. I'm sorry you didn't have a childhood. Uh, I think you would also say, like, with stuff like the OC where I just mentioned Adam Brody, like, I think you would you would argue that, like, he becomes a co-lead at a certain point. Like, he and, and Ryan are co-leads of that show. Yeah, that show really takes off into becoming a four, like, a quartet. Yeah, like, I mean, if you think of these kind of, like, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that there is they a... They really missed out not doing a musical episode of the OC, oh god, my god damn I, it. It's truly insane that The closest do. you get, you get an alternate reality episode... You get a Ryan's having like 80s music video visions episode. But never a full on musical episode and we got robbed. They're all in the incredibly underrated fourth season. <laughs> yep. And I, I, I kind of think that I get what I was trying to get at was that there's usually at the center of these like coming of age stories, there's usually a duo. Sure. And like one of those is the more classic straight lace, the, the Ryan in the OC. And then one is the Seth, who gets to be more broadly comedic and a little more chaotic. Yeah, the Raven and the Corey. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So you have the, the, like the two sides of, of the coin. Whereas I think in teen shows, that becomes fr- like, like main character and best friend. True. But in these, like, in, like, these coming of age, like middle school <clears throat> age stuff, it's usually a sibling. Huh. It's interesting how that changes from one age group of media to another. I totally buy that. I buy that. Because you have a similar thing on Lizzie McGuire with her brother. Oh, my God. What was that little cretin's name? I think Matt. God, that kid sucked. That kid was a chaos engine. He needs to be stopped. You can never trust kids whose hair is that spiky. Never trust kids. I do not like that kid. I do not trust him. Yeah, no. He does not make it, in my opinion, granted, and I was not a Lizzie McGuire head for for Mm -hmm. a lot of it, Um, but I feel like you can kind of make like a Mount Rushmore of of Little Brothers yeah. in Disney Channel, he would not make it up there. I'd rather put Corey from That's So Raven up there Yeah, with with Louis Stevens kind of like as the Abe Lincoln at the front of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so where did you... Um, so we already talked about how you were much more of a Ren fan. Mm-hmm. When I also love Donnie, and I feel like he doesn't get appreciated enough. That's true. Well, Donnie's barely in this. Well, also well. Don, like, in general, in the scape of even Stevens, I think that Donnie ages really well. I think because Donnie is is a total himbo. Yeah. Which is now a, a trope that we are appreciating and we are leaning into. And I think it was kind of ahead of the curve on the curve on that one. Of like you're hot and you're kinda dumb, but you're really sweet. That's that early Eric Matthews. Yeah. Before they before they pivot and just turn Eric into a full on like Chaos so, Engine. <laughs> yeah. Before the like the first four or five seasons of Boy Meets World are truly like this is another human it being. It is two, <laughs> yeah. two completely different human beings. Like games. Eric Matthews in seasons one through four, you'd be like, Yeah, he's gonna drive my friend home from like work. Eric <laughs> Matthews at like once you get to college, you're like, Don't let this man take away his license. This man doesn't know what a car is. I think you could make a really solid case for 
like the real Eric Matthews having been abducted by aliens and replaced between seasons at a certain point. And Will Friedel just being like, I'm just going to do all I'm going to play this like this man has been replaced by aliens. Yeah. H-E double hockey like, sticks. Get ready. We're going to do that movie. <laughs> I fucking loved that movie as a yeah. kid. Eric definitely like got replaced by something that has all of his memories, but has no idea what to do with them. Uh-huh. I think it has memories, but it doesn't have any of the skills. Sure. It's like it knows objectively that like it knows what a car is and it knows at one point I knew how to drive it, but it cannot do it. <laughs> you know, like that man can't scramble an egg. <laughs> it's also the other thing, my favorite thing. I don't know why we're talking about Eric Matthews so much. But it is but interesting how Eric Matthews started as like a Donnie and then became a Lewis Stevens. Became a Lewis Stevens because they realized, you know what we don't have on this show? Mm-hmm. A Lewis Stevens. We need a broader comedic character. And people love Will Friedle and mm-hmm. his actual natural state is as pure chaos agent. Well, and also because the original chaos agent, I can't believe we're talking about Boy Meets World. We've gone on a complete side tangent. But because Sean started as more of a chaos agent... And then because they made him more of a sad boy, they then had to replace him in the narrative with someone like that. Are you saying that Eric and and Sean swapped personalities? I'm saying that maybe at a certain point in like season two or three, they kind of like merged into a very similar When we start to get to know about Sean's backstory. Yeah, they sort of merged into one and then like swapped and diverged. By the time... And then then Eric overtook where Sean had ever been. Like the thing is like Eric's nonsense kept like exponentially multiplying past the point that Sean started at. I love this. And then just, I love and just this like, conversation. Went into the absolute abyss. <laughs> yes. Like, went completely off the deep end to the point where like you see him d- distantly in the future, and this man's like, "Oh, I've had the same lollipop for six years, and I live in the woods, and I'm now like living with squirrels." They legit do an entire Truman Show episode that Eric is the fucking maestro of. Oh my god, that's an amazing episode. It's god. incredible. Is our entire podcast now going to be a Boy Meets World rewatch? No, because we. I would love to do that at some point. Holy shit! But we do have to get into this because I have to talk it's only 22 minutes we're gonna get there Uh, we do have to talk very briefly uh, a little bit of the the background of this Uh, this movie is uh, or sorry this movie hilarious it felt like a movie because I got a full experience this episode is directed by Sean McNamara who directed a bunch of these he's uh, had a pretty storied career directing a lot of Disney Channel stuff he's also in the episode he plays the singing cowboy that Ren is watching on the TV that's the director that's great uh, and then you get two writers, or one writer, Mark Warren, who wrote this episode, who has also written, uh, he wrote the musical episode of That's So Raven. He wrote uh, Corey in the House, a lot of that. Um, I think he's one of the creators of, of That's So Raven. He's a real And of the, the Jonas Brothers TV show. Uh, and then, obviously, the show is created by Matt Dearborn, who also created uh, The Secret Life of Alex Mack, Zeke and Luther, a, a bunch of these shows. And is married to... Uh, oh my gosh, what's her name? Mrs. Carlson, the teacher. Oh. Or was at the time. Mrs. Lovelson, uh, wow. who was the teacher. Good for him. Yes. Um, She's hot. <laughs> she is also, which I found out during this, and again, no shame to this, I'm not presenting this as a joke, was alternating between doing a lot of Kids Fair on Disney Channel because she was married to the creator of the show and doing a lot of adult films. Cool. That was that was her career. You can have it all, ladies. You can have it all. Good for you. I actually you. really love that for her. Yeah, me too. I, and I love it for like, you know, all of the kids that grew up watching her on this show <laughs> that then Googled her later on when they were adults. Yeah. Uh, but Like you. Like me, literally <laughs> just now, and went, oh, interesting. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, so it's it's fun to see all of these connections in Disney. It'd you know? be even funnier if you just stumbled upon her in an adult film and were like, aren't you... <laughs> Weren't you in the musical episode of Even Stevens? You know what? I can't say I have. I, I'll be honest. I, I gotta think that there's someone out there. There's some human being out there that has had that experience. The, the, and I would love to talk to them. I'll be honest. The Maybe this makes me uh, a weirdo for saying this. But the... Like nostalgia around like let me google these teens from these teen shows that I watched in the 90s to see if they're hot in 2021 freaks me out to no end because yeah, in my mind they will always be yeah, exactly because in my mind they'll always be like 14 or 15 yeah it's different on a show like the OC where it's like these are fucking adult these are 27 year olds playing 18 year olds it's a Ben Platt and Dear Van Hansen situation exactly I look at like Margot Hashman who plays uh, Tawny in this and I'm like that's a 14 year old mm-hmm. Dude, stop objectifying 14 year olds and luckily I don't think they do because she's always in long shirt long sleeve shirts mm-hmm. So always wearing cargo pants. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of the Tawny and Twitty dynamic. I've always been a really big fan of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nelson and Ruby, not so much, but that's just me. I like um, Ruby. I I like that Nelson looks like the only one that is in middle school. I feel like they just wanted um, Taj Maori and they couldn't get him. Oh, that tracks, actually. <laughs> like, they were just like, we want, we want a smart guy type, but we <laughs> don't have it. Um, so anyway, we begin this show Ren Stevens is patient zero for COVID yeah Lauren describe the scene describe the scene you're on the scene right now Lauren describe it (laughs) she is coughing she's wheezing she's sneezing she's snotty she's got a fever and uh, she's deeply unwell she is sick she has been sick for a while she is highly contagious and she is saying I need to go to school so that I can get my perfect attendance record Yes. This does not hold up well. Yes. Because I, I've always felt that perfect attendance awards were bullshit. They are awful. Abolish them. I feel like the entire thesis of this episode is like down with awards yeah. for like, for, you know, steamrolling past your own human capabilities. Yeah. You are, Ren, you are obviously like very unwell. You're very, like, when do you think the last time Ren Stevens was sick ever? I don't think she allows her body to do that. Exactly. And that's why she's getting hit so hard with influenza, which apparently is also only a 24-hour thing for her in this. Like, screw you, my girl. Like, you should be down for the count for, like, a full week. I like to think that this is a, like, this is a Monday and she's been sick all weekend. Okay. And that she's like, no, I'm going to get better. It's like, no, this is the worst of it. What was your experience with, did you ever fake sick as a kid? No. Really? I mean, like, No. I did it all the time. Really? I did it all the time. I think I've like exaggerated before where it's like I could go to school, but like uh-huh, Ferris I Bueller's should. Day Off was a huge influence to me as a oh, child. Oh, I, I never like just straight up pretended that I was sick. Oh man, you should try it once. It's great. There have definitely been times where I'm like, ugh, I don't feel good. And like, I probably could like push through it, but I'd rather just not. I feel like, you know what doesn't age well? Hmm. Playing sick. You can't do it anymore. You can't do that anymore. But like, honestly, in this day and age, Lewis would have been fine because that entire household would be under quarantine. This is true. That's like the entire house 
not only like goes in and is like around Ren, but she has got like she is bathing in used tissues. Yeah, she like there is, there is like she doesn't have a fucking trash can in sight. She's on the SS snotty bow body, and yeah. she will not. She's fuck, gone through like, like four boxes of tissues. It looks like exactly. she looks terrible. And this is Christy Carlson Romano, who was a Disney Channel hottie. But so, she looks straight up horrible. Yeah, she is. It was not looking good for my girl. Yeah. Um, so this is a bad look for her. I honestly feel like it's like Lewis probably should have been kept home, like even if he is faking, because like you're probably you probably have it too. Oh, there's no way anyone in this house doesn't also have it. Mom should have it. Dad should have it. Like everyone who's in this house is sick. Yeah. Officially, it's, you're it's sick. It's officially done. Like you're whether done. or not you're symptomatic or not, you're done. You're down. We're all just staying home and calling it a day. And what you get, we open up with the, like, just showing the two separate approaches where Ren is sick, but she's trying to push through and go to school. And her mom is like, no, Ren, you gotta, you gotta stay home. You gotta rest up. And Lewis is fine, but he's faking sick because he has to run Coach Tugnut's obstacle course, mm-hmm. which sounds like an adult film that Mrs. Levelson's gonna be in. <laughs> so, um, the, Coach uh, Tugnut's <laughs> obstacle course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's like this he gets an alternate scene with the dad that's uh, juxtaposed against the mom dealing with Ren where he's using a megaphone to cough and so, <laughs> that's the other thing Louis Stevens fucking like grade A little brother shit shitbag little brother yeah the sloppiest of fucking yeah, liars. Come on. That's why he's so endearing, I think. Yeah. Because no matter what, like he's he, so bad at it, he's basically harmless. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He's so bad at it, he's harmless. Like he's a scamp, but he's really bad at it. So you're just like, I mean, he's never actually gonna fool anyone. Yeah. So he's just a harmless idiot. He's like he's shooting his shot, you know. Which is what's great. It's a perfect alchemy for a character like this. Mm-hmm. Um. But his dad discovers the bullhorn that he was using to sneeze, makes him get dressed, and Louis Stevens emerges from the closet in maybe the saddest outfit I've ever seen in my life. He's wearing, uh, none of it matches. It's like, it's green, it's brown, it's... It's like a brown Hawaiian shirt. Oh. And some, like, an orange t-shirt, and then some, like, off-brown... No, they are orange, Lauren. Orange, they are straight yeah, up orange right. cargo shorts. Yeah, that's a bad look. It's not good. And you know that it's stinky. Like, you know that those are not clean clothes. That, well, the, here's the problem. This boy has not changed his underwear in three days, Ian. This is the problem with Louis Stevens. You know that Louis Stevens smells bad at any given moment. Yeah. The problem with Louis Stevens is that Louis, Louis Stevens had such a seductive personality. All of us wanted to be Louis Stevens. So we now all dressed like this. That would we all like, dressed like this. Yeah. We all went to Marshalls and we're like, what graphic tee can I put under a Hawaiian shirt to just have patterns on patterns the on patterns? The ripple effects of that. It's awful. Continue to this day. Like, watching this, it was really like somebody, like, put me in the clockwork orange machine and forced me to look at images <laughs> of me as a kid. I love characters with tragic, like... Fashion. Fashion choices. I love it so much, Ian. So... Ren is like... Also formative. Wow, even Stevens is really formative. It's really formative. So Ren is like, fuck it, I'm gonna go to school. I don't know how she gets out of the house without her parents knowing. I don't. Uh, I guess it's out the window, but she's wearing, like, heels. Oh, look. Okay, if you're going... Ren Stevens dresses like a fucking White House intern, and she is in junior high school. She is in in the eighth grade. grade. No, she's not. No, she's not. No, No, she's not. None of these people are. These are all in high school. Yeah. Even Lewis is in high school. Lewis is like a freshman in high school. But he's in high school. But. 
Like, I don't know. I also feel like if you're going to go to school and you're sick, first of all, don't do it. Don't do it. If you are, just wear sweatpants. Right. It's okay. We'll give you a pass to look like shit one day. Don't wear heels at the very least. At least wear sneakers, girl. Yeah. It's it's a whole thing, man. So she's at school. And a musical basically... Happens around immediately her. happens. The, uh, the principal delivers the morning announcements in a, a wonderful song. So catchy. Um, I love this. Morning announcements yeah. for today. Sick horns. He's moving and grooving. This guy's oh, dancing up and down the hall. Like this, in my, for my money, he's the one who sells this the best. Yeah. I also think like this is a top three songs in the show, in the entire episode. It's a great like this first top, song out. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a, he's a good singer. It's well shot. It's the right amount of time. It serves the function of the plot well. Yep. It's a good intro into the world. I now know what's happening during the day because it was the morning announcements. Exactly. I think it's like that. That's easily top three. Of, uh, we should rank the songs at the end of this. Ooh, I would love like to do that. Like a top three or a top five. Oh, yeah. No, I can find all the songs and we can go through them. Yeah. Uh, and Ren is taken aback, which I think is to put it lightly. But then she finds Lewis, Twitty, and Tawny. Mm-hmm. And then gets another song. Because that's the thing. Is there's like six lines of dialogue between each song. Because they've got seven. Once we're in the musical, we're in it. Seven or eight songs to get through. Uh, and she meets up with Lewis and Tawny and Twitty. And Lewis is, you know, he's he's got to get out of this. He's got to get out of Coach Lugnuts. Or Coach Tugnuts. Tugnuts. Coach Tugnuts. Obstacle, Obstacle course. course. Jesus, that's a mouthful. Yeah. Um... Which is also, ironically, the finale of Coach Tugnut's Obstacle Course, the movie. Um, but it's... He sings a song called I Always Find a Way. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, could be taken several ways. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, but this is uh, Twitty and Tani are his backup not singers. This not a top three number, but I still think is pretty catchy. Mm-hmm. I loved this song as a kid. This was like my favorite, but it's I also because I love Lewis. Yeah, I just think vocally knocks off its average. Knocks off its average. Shia LaBeouf's not the greatest singer in the world. Mm-hmm. Neither, not the worst. Neither are Tawny and Twitty. Yeah, not the worst. Ta- Tawny's the worst. Oh, really? I think Tawny's pretty bad. Oh. See, in my memory, she it was worse, but I think that also it, I don't she's think she was mixed as bad. weirdly. Her voice is like mixed louder than the two male voices. It is. And they have her on like a weird harmony. So it's all I can hear when they're doing, like, the, the, the remain refrain of the song. How long do you think they had to rehearse these songs? Not long at all. I feel like they had 17 minutes to rehearse yeah, all no, of I these feel like songs. Yeah, no, I feel like they were, they had maybe one day, and that was it. I think it's kind of amazing that you watch this and you go, like, these are kind of bad. And, like, but, like, they were, like, yeah, I guess they're good enough. But I watch it also, and I'm, like... As a kid who couldn't sing growing up, being like, oh, cool, I could be in a musical one day. Like, yeah, I think that, like, vocally there's that, but then the songs themselves, like, the actual writing of the songs, I-, I think, still to this day, I'm like, they didn't have to go this hard, and they did. They did. The songs themselves, if they had, like, real singers in them, would have been fucking bops. Like, these songs are, like, these songs are bops. I like, when Christy Carlson Romano starts singing. That's a testament yeah. to how good the songs are, that you can have mediocre singers singing them, and they're still bops. That's a great call. I think that is the mark of a truly, like, good of a song. a genius. That's a good song. Yeah. Is when, like, you can have a mediocre singer sing it, and I'm still tapping my toes and having a great time. Tip, tap, tip, tap, tapping my toes. Um, what comes next after I always find a way? 
Is this when we get uh, what's the matter with Ren? I think so. So why don't you Unless set up I'm what's forgetting one? Why don't you set up what's the matter with? I Ren? don't think I'm forgetting one. Yeah, because we go what's the matter with Ren into sixth period. Yes. Because she has to find into, out about sixth period. Into the, uh, the <clears throat> obstacle course. Master of the gym. Into we went to the moon in 1969. Yeah. Am I forgetting one? I don't think you are. Wait, set it up. I'm looking it up. So okay, so we get into uh, Ren is I guess already at lunch. She's not gone to one class today. Goes outside to lunch uh, with Ruby and Nelson, her friends from the TV show. Uh, Ruby looks like a teenage Barbara Streisand, and Nelson, as we said, looks like uh, Taj Mowry. Uh, and they sing a song, uh, or they they introduce. There's one more. Nope, nope, we're good. We're we got good. them all. We got them all. We got them all. Incredible. I was questioning myself. I shouldn't have done that. Okay, so. We get into what will eventually be uh, a huge plot point where Ruby and Nelson are like, thank God you're here and you pushed through being sick because you've got that big report today. And Ren is like, lol, what report? And they're like, you have a report worth half your fucking grade, Ren Stevens. And the trophy you've been wanting to get since you were born. The science award. The generic science ribbon award. And, And she's like, shit. I am not prepared at all, which is a very, very uncharacteristic Ren Stevens move. What's the matter with Ren? This is my least favorite song in the yeah. show, in this in the episode. Yes. I don't. I actively am like this song's bad. It's the worst. It's the worst of the group. Yeah. I think it's, it's the worst of the group. I like what it modulates into at the halfway point with Larry. Yeah, I don't like the first half because I think that that's a pretty boring song. But it, it's not it's, again. It's not a bad song. It's just like kind of the most boring song. Sure. And then you like get into Larry's stuff, where I'm like, at least this is fun. People can dance along to it. Like there's some choreography happening. There's some charisma. I also think like it just does. It isn't served by the fact that I I, from, I think I remember from like a featurette they showed the girl who played Ruby, is a good singer. She's been in like a bunch of musicals. I was looking and, up like, and seeing. And I feel like they kind of screwed her over to focus on Lair- the guy who plays Larry's talent. And I wish that they'd Which given both of them a show. being a fucking charisma laser beam. Again, okay. Ian and I briefly talked about this when we were watching it, but I remember, like, deeply wishing, and to this day, I think it was a huge missed opportunity that Ren and Larry didn't get together. I completely agree with you. I think it's, it is a huge waste that they didn't get together. Is that, that's what shipping is, yeah? Yeah. I ship that. I, sh- I remember, it's one of my, the earliest things I remember shipping. Yeah. Is being like, oh shit, these two should kiss. Ren and Larry. Well, because there's like a... This <laughs> disgustingly named couple, Ren and Larry. <laughs> I, but like, I remember there's like an episode where they get like handcuffed together and they have to like work together to get like a, an assignment done. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, they're going to fall in love. And yeah, then they, like, it's they... like the episode of Boy Meets World where Corey stays late in the audio visual room with Topanga when they're making the documentary about sex and then everybody thinks they had sex. Guys, Boy Meets World is such a good show. Yep, and, and I think that we should have taken a few cues from that and we should have let Ren and Larry fall in love. The way that Corey and Topanga did. I love these two type A people who hate each other, but then they're the only ones that understand each other. I, and if they could just stop hating each other, they would see that they're perfectly matched. I also love, uh, I think even Stevens is a very, like, uh, a great proponent of this early on since the show ran from 2000 to 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, where Ren is an incredibly uh, uh, 
academic like very academically focused person mm-hmm. she's also a very type a person so mm-hmm. it's it's who you would imagine would be a very academically focused person mm-hmm. larry is essentially the most popular kid in school mm-hmm. and carries himself with the confidence of the most popular kid in school and yet is also a very academically inclined individual mm-hmm. and i love the fact that this show feels to me like it was one of the forebears for introducing that new archetype of like like genuinely like the triple threat academic person where it's like oh shit he's charismatic he's popular and he's smart yeah like he's Fuck. he's like the lead in the play and he's like on track and he's he's like the whole package yeah it's like what they were like what Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill like freak out about when they go back to high school in 21 Jump Street where mm-hmm. it's like oh shit all the popular kids are the smart kids now mm-hmm. Larry was originating that yeah. in 2002 he was paving the way he was and I love that about it it's also kind of the book smart thing I think that we still see where it's like in, yeah. in book smart where they have the realization of like we like I think Ren is set up to have a very similar moment big Molly to, vibes like to Molly in book smart of like I put my head down and I worked really hard and I got into the college of my dreams but I like didn't have any fun. Yeah. And Larry's like, yeah, I also got into the college of my dreams and I'm super fucking popular. And I'm going to hook up with this girl by the refrigerator that your friend is into and break your heart and the heart of Ian in the audience. (laughs) I really wanted that to work out for my girl. Oh man. Booksmart was rough. Booksmart's amazing. Booksmart was very relatable and very upsetting. Um, Um, We've all been there, Molly. So Ren freaks out and now it's time to study. She's going to do an entire report, essentially, in the margins between the class. You know, if anyone could do it, I think it would be Ren Stevens. Yeah, but apparently not. She doesn't know how to Google anything. Well, no, the computer crashes. She goes into the library. She's sitting right... Uh, her and Lewis are back to back. And she is looking up facts about the moon landing in 1969. Mm-hmm. And... While she's pulling it up, there's just this article that comes up that just says, the moon, like we, land, we went to the moon in 1969, and then the computer crashes. I have a question. Please. This is not about the number. This is about something that comes later. So, her topic is about the moon landing. Yes. And this is a science, like, it's like basically a science fair project. Yeah. Larry is turning, a, like, actual, like, living flesh into chocolate yeah he's created like a laser beam yeah that can turn anything into chocolate yep those do not seem like they are fulfilling the same rubric here excellent i feel like wren's if anything is more of a history project than it is she's not doing anything new with regards to science she's just telling us like about the moon landing itself which is something that's already happened larry is pioneering the field I will say How was she ever supposed to, like, even if she did do her project really well on, like, this is the moon landing and knew all of the information, she still never stood a chance against Larry. I I have an answer for you. Please. But it does involve spoiling the end of this episode. Okay, I feel like if you're listening to this, you know the ending. So the ending is, this has all been a dream. It's a nightmare. It is a fever dream, a literal fever dream while Ren is... Uh, freaking out sick in her bed, tossing and turning like Dewey Cox in rehab. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Ren, girl, you are never going to get it. But I also think that it, this is how Ren sees it in her mind, mm-hmm. is that she has been set up to fail. She sees that she's Larry's like, always gonna Larry's be always going to be one step ahead of her. 
uh, I think like this is how she she views it. Mm. The only thing, yeah, this is a, an episode told entirely from Ren's perspective. Yes. The only time that this breaks is when we get to the next song, Masters of the Gym, which is all takes place in a scene where Ren does not exist at all. Yeah, we're breaking from Ren's perspective quite a bit at the end of this episode. To go into one of the best songs in this show. Oh, it's a great song. If you, I mean, like, let's be honest, if you wrote a musical episode, you'd also give yourself one of the best songs. Yeah, so Jim Wise, who's playing Coach Tug. We also, the sixth period song is a jam. Sixth period is playing during all of us. Oh, we also didn't mention Lewis is looking up excuse, like literally types in excuses for how to get out of gym class Mm -hmm. into Google. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, the early 2000s were a train wreck. Uh, And he's done all the excuses. So now he's in... Honestly, Lewis, at a certain point, you just got to throw up on someone. Just do it. Just, you got to do it. Commit to the bit. You got to just take one for the team in that regard. You just got to throw up. Uh, (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Never thought I'd hear that from you. Um, I wouldn't do it. But I'm not Lewis Stevens. I I don't have that level of commitment. But I'm just saying, Lewis, like, that's that's the only tool you have left. Yeah. That's all, that's the only trick up your sleeve. This is true. That's all you got. Um, so I will say, uh, while they're doing Master of the Gym, mm-hmm. which is the song Jim Wise, Coach Tugnut, gave himself to sing. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's, this song's a fucking bop, man. Mm-hmm. This is a top three song for me. Interesting. I also love that he starts the song with a, ma- a Phantom of the Opera style mask made from a soccer ball. I love that. Um, because you could just tell this dude knows what's like. This guy is like yeah. the real fan of musical theater, because also he wrote all the songs. I think this one's ju- that one's like maybe my number four. Gotcha. In the entire episode, um, but it's up there. And you just essentially are getting a montage of people attempting to do this obstacle course. He's like greasing down the fucking ropes yeah, at like, one it, point. Like he's got like a giant jar of like rope grease. It's like labeled rope grease. You know, rope grease. Yeah. So that he's setting all of these kids up to fail just so he can laugh his ass off at these kids. Just like he's basically, he is pioneering like the type of show that would become Wipeout. Yeah. He's basically doing his own high, like like middle school Wipeout. He put like chattering teeth in like the the tires when yeah. people are doing yeah. It's doing basically high a, knees. it's basically one of the game shows that became popular like less than ten years later. So he is He's also like, is a he, pioneer. Yeah, is he like a, I gotta think that like Coach Tugnut must have left the school at a certain point and become a producer on Wipeout. I mean, I hope so. I hope that. I hope so. I hope he gets paid. <laughs> I hope good things for my guy. Yeah, I mean, he's terrorizing children, but like, who is I also days? think that like kids falling down is funny. So like, I can't really fault you for that. Especially when they're Lewis Stevens, he'd fall down. It'd be hilarious. Yeah, it'd be great. He's doing he's doing Pratt falls left and right. He's doing bits. He's bits on bits. Yeah. Um, he's not what? gonna let a kid die, but he's no. gonna laugh at a kid like falling down. Wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. I have. Uh, what else happens in Master of the Gym? They turn on him. Oh, yeah. They turn it around because they realize that there's more of them than there are of him. So they, he has to run faster because he's the master. He's yes, the master, master of, of the, the gym. gym. Yes. And then he <clears throat> has to go in the cage with the monkey. He has a cage with a monkey. I feel like that's the thing where that crosses the line where I'm like, ooh, that animal is endangered. The final step of Coach Tugnut's obstacle course is getting in a cage with a full-on monkey, which is the actual climax of the adult film, Coach Tugnut's Off, of course. <laughs> Where did he get the monkey? 
I, I, you are. Is there I, a crossover with George of the Jungle somewhere in here? Um, maybe it's the older brother. You know, maybe it's the older brother in the monkey maybe, costume. Maybe, maybe he's just like calling in a favor with that. You know, he was buddies with him. Weren't they friends in like episodes or something like that? monkey? No. Coach and um, oh, the oldest and Donnie. Steven. And Donnie. Maybe. You're saying that Donnie's in that gorilla costume? Yeah. That would be fucking hilarious. I love that, Ian. At the very end, he takes off the mask and it's me. Because he's only got like one part of this episode. Yeah. I love that, actually. Yeah. And also, it's dream logic, so. I, the only other yeah, but it's I, dream logic for a dream that you're not even in. That's like not even his dream. The only like explanation is like if like Lewis if Ren's asleep at home and Lewis is like asleep in like third period math or something and their dreams like combine into a mega dream yeah but that's talent that I don't know any brother and sister have I don't know um power of the musical Ian it is strong uh what happens next then we went to the moon then we go to the moon uh Lauren I want you to set this up well, Larry is turning... Human flesh. Flesh into chocolate. Incredible. Changing the world as we know it. One science project at a time. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he is making a good bid to be the next Willy Wonka. Um, yeah, get move out of the way, Chalamet. Here comes Larry. And the only thing that Ren remembers before the computer crashed on her was that we went to the moon in 1969. And if you've seen this episode at a formative age, as did we, the following scene is burned into your memory forever. It's the it, best song in the show. It will never leave. I'm convinced that on my deathbed, the last thing I will think is we went to the moon in 1969. Um, it's, it's just in there deeply. Like I will never forget the fact that we went to the moon in 1969. Yeah. So she has to go up. Her friends are like, you can, you're smart. Just make some shit up. Or like, don't make it up, but just like vamp, you know. <laughs> I also love a vamp. So much of this episode is like, this is exactly my shit, and I like it has been incredibly formative to me. Yeah, it's like my personal tastes in music, like in mu musicals, in in like comedy. So much of it is just like, wow. I watched it. I was like, that makes sense for me. This is where it came from. This is where that came from. That this is where me wanting to do this when Ian and I are like thinking up a plot. This is what dreams are made of. Hey now, hey now. Um, so Ren goes up and does that amazing thing in musical theater where she doesn't jump fully into the song. Christy Carlson right Romano is such a musical theater actor. I know, and it's so great. It's great. And then she just like slowly, haltingly starts singing. Yeah. And is making it up as it goes. And the music's not all there yet. Sounds natural. It sounds natural. It's organic. It's the first time she's sung in the entire episode. She's giving herself over to <clears> it. <throat> giving herself over to the magic. Taking a leap of faith. And the music is there to catch her. Oh, yeah. And she sings, We Went to the Moon in 1969. Not 1970. The year before. Oh. Uh-huh. And it turns into a an entire dance number. We are in a fantasy sequence where she is an, an astronaut that is going to the moon, and it is it is a great wasn't number. made of cheese. No, it was it wasn't cheesy. I loved it so much. Yeah, it's it's great. It's also I'm glad they wait till this is the end. This is very much like. 
the diamond and the tiara of this show. Yeah. It's, also it's because Christy Carlson, yeah, because Christy Carlson Romano also like does have a very good voice. Yeah, she's got a very musical theater voice. She's it's very good. <clears throat> so like when she starts singing, you kind of like retrospectively go like, oh, well if she could do this, why wasn't she in more numbers? Exactly, but they wait it. They make you wait for it, so it's even better. Yeah. I think that's the key. And also, it is her dream, so she would be good at it in her dream. Oh, yeah. So you think in real life, Ren's got a shit voice? I think she could. Oh, wow. We'll I never know. I think in our dreams, we can do anything we want, Ian. Yeah. And I would make myself the best singer in my dream. <laughs> I would. Larry's I also a good singer, though. But then you get... Yeah, but she's afraid of him at that point of the dream. You... So it makes sense that he is good at the thing that she's good at, but maybe better at it when she's at her lowest point in the dream. I'm, Wouldn't it make sense? It's the, it's the vocal version of him turning flesh into chocolate. <laughs> he's turning the shittiest song in the episode into a fucking bop just because he's singing in it. He's turning shit into chocolate. Exactly. He's turning shit into chocolate. Good for him, man. Good for Larry. <clears throat> uh, but I, just, I love the fact she delivers the song. Everybody joins in and sings except for Larry because he's like, what the fuck is happening right now? Rightfully so. Everyone's on board. And then in the end, Miss Lovelson gives her an F. Yep. Because she's like, she didn't tell us anything. Well, so Larry F. has the moment of being like, wait, wait, this is bullshit. She didn't even say anything. She just said we went to the moon in 1969. And they're like, yeah, no, Larry, you're right. She did get an F, but it was it was a bop. <laughs> Which I, I, like, that was such a formative uh, bit mm -hmm. for me watching mm -hmm. Because I, I remember that specifically burned into my brain of like, oh shit, you can like not reward somebody for doing this over the top thing that is just a vamp. Like we can actually call out mm -hmm. bullshitting. Mm -hmm. That's so funny. Which also tracks through to what you, like it, it's so much of this episode is like, wow. Yeah, that's a very formative thing. This is me. all just like burned into our brain yeah. and has formed who we are. Oh yeah. Thank you, even Stevens. You've like, you have truly like created a new field. It really is. So I feel, and I feel like many people in our generation would say <clears throat> something similar. Yeah. I think if you liked even Stevens and you liked the Disney Channel and you liked this episode, it, it like no one just liked it. I feel like you you were either like not an even Stevens person and didn't care, or this every single frame of this is etched into your brain and formed who you are as a human being. Yeah. Every time Throwback Thursdays was on, you were like, please show influenza again. Yeah. I mean, every time it was on, I was excited. I was like, oh, that's the episode they're showing? Were Fuck you, yeah. Were you a Kim Possible fan? Loved Kim to Possible. To talk about Christy Carlson Romano oh my God, a little bit more? Loved Kim Possible. Yeah. Loved it. I was super into Kim Possible as well. Loved Kim Possible. Yeah. Never Still saw any of the movies, but I loved Kim Possible. Oh, I watched the movies. Gotcha. Still a fan of Kim Possible. Love you, my girl. Love you, Ron Stoppable. I was a big Ron Rufus. Stoppable fan. Oh, oh, that totally tracks for yeah. you. I liked Ron Stoppable. I and I liked, I liked all the episodes of Camp Wanna Weep. Yeah. That was my favorite. Oh my god, those are the best ones. The ones with Gil. Yes. Like the monster. Yeah, oh my god, I love the that best shit. ones. And Ugh. then Shigo, a fucking icon. That was Draken and Shigo are like all time faves for me. How they made, didn't they make a live action Kim Possible they movie? They did and it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> didn't see it. It sucked. They will turn it on after this. I I just think like also I just think Draken is such a great <clears throat> concept for a villain. Yeah. I love his like weird existentialism of just like not being good enough and then Shigo being like I'm the best at all of this. How are you so bad at it? Like yeah. I love that dynamic. It's real Mojo Jojo vibes. I just, I love it so much. I was never a Powerpuff Girls person. Oh, I loved Powerpuff never Girls. Never a Powerpuff Girls person. I was vaguely like a sort of a Dexter's Laboratory person. 
Oh my god! I mean, what an incredible television yeah. show. I was obsessed with Jimmy Neutron for a long time, though. Sure, Jimmy Neutron was catching me on my way out of it, but mm. I, I liked Jimmy Neutron and I liked the Fairly Odd Parents, but they were definitely on like the denouement of my yeah. of my children's entertainment phase. I remember there was a there was a decent chunk of my life where I would, when I came home from school, they would be showing Fairly Odd Parents, then Jimmy Neutron, and then I would switch over and watch the reruns of Recess. Great show. And then sometimes you would catch like Even Stevens in the evening before like on Disney Channel. I remember they would show like an hour uh, like two episodes and then they'd show whatever the Dis Disney Channel original movie for the night was incredible and so like the even uh, the, I would catch this episode of Even Stevens usually during that like seven to eight hour yeah it was either the six to seven hour or the seven to eight hour yeah and that's when I would catch this and they would usually be showing this episode and then they would also show like on uh like New Year's, they would do like the, the you'd get to vote on your favorite episodes, right? So they do the countdown, and like I remember that. voting for this <clears throat> episode, like this episode and the Halloween episode of Even Stevens, yeah, which is classics. Um, so should we finish off the episode? So yeah. Ren wakes up because she gets an F, and uh, she's it been, was a dream. It was all a dream. She's been asleep the entire day. Mm -hmm. Her fever broke, luckily. Mm -hmm. Um. And her entire family comes in and gives her a big old hug on the bed that she has been lying sick in. She's still all contagious. Still day. contagious. Get out of here, you fucking monsters. Also, like, mom, you're not gonna like clean up some of those tissues off the ground? Like Disgusting. You're just gonna leave them in a pile on the ground? You didn't bring her a trash can? Eileen, what are you doing? Oh my god, you can't bring her like a like a Walgreens bag to shove those in? Get that girl some fucking Pedialyte. I mean, please. Like, she needs medicine. She needs They give her no medicine. She needs electrolytes. She's she, getting she needs soup. Fluids. Who gives a shit? You know that soup is salty. She doesn't need the sodium, Eileen. As soon as she was like, Lewis is bringing up the soup, I'm like, I'm not eating anything that Lewis <laughs> Stevens has been within four feet of. Alone? No. You don't know what he's done to that. This fucking snot soup I'm gonna get. I don't no. want any of it. She it's like, I made chicken noodle soup. It turns up and it's a chowder and you're like, fuck this noise. <laughs> What did Lewis do to my soup? <laughs> Great new show for Disney Channel. What did Lewis do to my soup? Coming. <laughs> I, mean, I also love the fact that Ren is so fixated on her perfect attendance award that she's just keeping the empty frame on her wall like a psychopath. Well, I mean, Ren is a psycho. She is. Like Lewis is like is like oh he's so extroverted and like outward and explicitly wild. We mm -hmm. always ignore the fact that Ren Stevens is a walking ball of issues to be unpacked in therapy. Oh when she's yeah, in her absolutely, 20s. absolutely. I say this as someone who like is a type A and overcommits to stuff and then burns myself out. Ren's he headed for like a big one, which I love. She's headed for a huge breakdown in her early twenties. I love that. That's at its core if we want to start to get maybe a little bit more grounded and serious with the even stevens musical episode mm -hmm. i kind of love the fact and this will go i think into recommendations i love the fact that that's really what this episode is about mm -hmm. it is about that burnout of mm -hmm. like you like it's just like that lifestyle of wanting to you know be the smartest and be the best and be the like, that is a, it's an unsustainable and unrealistic dream yeah and i i kind of like this TV show that's as silly as it is because I, I do think even Stevens is on the sillier side mm -hmm. of of these kids shows uh, is doing a, an entire like using the silliest concept a musical episode to discuss that kind of millennial burnout mm -hmm. uh, I just think is very interesting and kind of cool yeah 
Um, but yeah, did you want to rank the songs? Yes. What's your number one? My number one is We Went to the Moon in 1969. My number one as well. Great. 100%. What's your number two? My number two... Hmm. I think my number two... I also want to say, like, the oh. Ren got an F, There'll Be No Award, I've Got Hot Suit... Like, all that stuff is just lumped in with We Went to the yeah, Moon no, in 1969. Yeah, no, we don't count that. The last four songs are all the same song. Yes. Um, I would say my number two is because it is the, like the second most musical theatery song is uh, Sixth Period. Gotcha. I love Sixth Period. I love how musical theatery it is. <clears throat> I love how just like the, I already said this but like, I love how theatrical it is. Yeah. It feels like an act one closer. Yeah. You know it feels like stakes are high stuff is moving I like st like I like songs <clears throat> that are also telling a story and that are moving things along. I think my number two is gonna I'm gonna go morning announcements. Yeah. Morning announcements. Yeah. Ironically, morning announcements, my number three. My number three, sixth period. Hey, high five. Hey, oh. All right, so I will ask you what your fourth is. Fourth is Master of the Gym, which almost yeah. is almost number three, and then I rewatching it this time. It, the morning announcements is just a better song. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it moved up for me. Yeah. I also, I can't get over the, the, the logical leaps that I have to do to make Masters of the Gym the sequence make sense in my brain knowing this is entirely Ren's perspective. Yes. It's too much of a head fuck for me, and by the time I'm, like, really starting to wrap my mind around it, the song's done. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think our remaining ones are going to be the same. Because I think Matt, like, I think basically our entire rankings are going to end up being the same. There's, except we just, for, swapped, except we just swapped our two and three. Yeah, because you go Master of the Gym. Master of the Gym. Then uh, I Always Find a way, way, and What's the Matter with And Ren. What's the Matter with Ren. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be, yeah, that's it. I think that's the correct ranking. It's definitive, folks. You can't argue. You can't argue. Uh, great. And like we always do at this time, do you recommend the Even Stevens musical episode? Yes. In okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. You don't even have to finish the question. Yes. It's on Disney+. Plus. If you have Disney+, Plus, just watch it. <clears throat> if you've never seen Even Stevens, uh, I don't know if this is going to be for you. But if you... Oh, I think, you, I think it is. I, I think, think it's that fun. If you are interested in either the project of, of our new project of going through musical episodes of television shows or the project of kind of revisiting these kind of nostalgic television shows from our youth and you even vaguely remember that there was a musical episode of Even Stevens, I would recommend it because it is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think like this cast was very fun. They had a lot mm. of good chemistry. I do think it's a good standalone episode though. Yeah, it's, it's one full a story. Of, you don't need a lot of backstory. You can, you pretty much get who these people are from Jump. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. We obviously don't have any like other facts about this. I want to ask one thing before we go on to... Yes. Um, were you a fan of the Even Stevens movie? I thought it was fine. Because we've gotten a couple... We've gotten a couple requests for the Even Stevens movie. we actually gotten... This is... I will say this. This episode... Is the number one non-movie we have gotten. Uh, really? Um, yeah, we've gotten recommendations. People love to. this. People really do. I think we've we've gotten quite a few people that have been like, do the Even Stevens up the musical Even Stevens episode. Yeah. So for good reason. They pe the people have good taste. You do. Uh, yeah, the movie was. I feel like it'd be good for this show because I remember enjoying it, but I also don't remember much about it. I remember liking the concept because it's like a, they win like a real they win like a vacation but they're on a reality it's TV like a Truman show. show situation yeah so it's like a meta movie yeah but I just honestly remember not being into it I remember I've seen it many times but I don't remember it yeah um okay 
So like we always do at this time, is there a modern analog to the Even Stevens musical episode Influenza? Mm-hmm. Lauren? You want me to go first? Yeah. Great. I want to recommend um, a musical um, piece of television that I have really enjoyed recently that I watched I watched twice within a week. Once on my own and once because I wanted to rewatch it with Ian. I thought you were going to do this. Yeah. Um, I want to recommend uh, Schmigadoon, which is on Apple TV+. Plus. It is a, I think, six episode? Yep. Six episode <clears throat> miniseries. I don't believe they're doing a season two because it, it's a pretty self-contained story. It is a musical. It is about, um, if you're familiar with Brigadoon, uh, the musical, it's a very similar setup. It is a, a modern couple goes on a relationship retreat and because their relationship is in crisis and they end up wandering off and stumbling upon this town called Schmigadoon that is sort of... Uh, frozen in time in like the early 1900s and it's a full-on musical um and i really love it if you love musicals uh and musical theater i think you'll love it because there's so many inside jokes about about like the story structure of musicals so many of the songs are like close enough to like almost parodies of exact songs from famous musicals but have enough of a twist on them that i that they are enjoyable in their own right Mm -hmm. And I think it is it is very clever. It's very <clears throat> earnest. It doesn't wink at the audience too much. I think it is it is very much aware that it is made by people and for people that love the genre, so it does not feel mean, and is saying some really interesting things about the genre and about where the where musical theater has been, where it has gone, and where it is going in the future, and what it means to people. And I think that it is it is a just incredibly well done show that is incredibly funny well-performed and stars like a bunch of Broadway actors uh, doing some of their best work. And it's just a, a, like a total delight beginning to end. Yeah, I, I, it's it's a pretty like spectacular show. Yeah, Honestly, I, yeah. I, I was not expecting to love it and I, I fucking loved Schmigadoon. I also think like as a counterpoint to like, <clears throat> uh, to us as people who want to one day like write more musical stuff, I think it's, it's a really interesting counterpoint of watching even Stevens which has informed so much of what created our sensibilities and watching Schmigadoon, which was very much one of those things that we watched and had those, that, that moment of like, fuck, if we were going to make something, I feel like this is the thing we would have wanted to make. Yeah. That I actually feel like it's very much like a, even Stevens being the formation of us and Schmigadoon being like, that's the type of art we want to create. And so it's been a really interesting like month and a half of like, oh, that's what forms me as a person and that's what I enjoy and being self-aware and aware of the things that I like and the things that I enjoy creating and what I value in art. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why I recommend uh, Schmigadoon. It's on Apple+. Plus. Uh, I'm also going to recommend a piece of art that I also wish that I had created as well. <laughs> I know what uh, you're going to do. <laughs> I love this for you. Couldn't, Guys, couldn't it's time to talk about Annette. <laughs> it's time. It's pick time. Two more opposite things. I love it. It's fucking time. It's the Annettesance. We're here. The new Leo Kara film. Um, he did uh, Into the Void. Uh, a couple other movies I, that I've not seen. Into the Void is unfortunately the only of his movies that I'd seen before this. Mm-hmm. But man oh man I had heard some polarizing things about this movie and sat in to watch it on uh, a couple days ago and I've not stopped thinking about it since it is a full two and a half hour pretty much completely sung through musical Mm -hmm. starring Adam Douglas Driver (laughs) and Marion Cotillard and a goddamn doll and it's fucking 
rad as hell. It's so fucking awesome. Um, and just, and incredibly bizarre. And at the end, I thought incredibly emotionally effective. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's... I an, think it is closer to, like, opera sensibility. It is an it opera. Is to musical it's theater. 100% more of an opera. I would say go in with those expectations that it is much more interested in opera conventions, I believe, than musical theater conventions. Yes. But I do think if you are into that and you're into, like, just really trying to meet a, a piece of art on its terms... Because it's got some fucking terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that you you would dig it. But I the main reason, aside from the fact that it's a musical and I watched it recently, uh, that I wanted to recommend it for this, is I feel like what this uh, episode of Even Stevens and Annette both do is they are both pieces of art told from the perspective of one of the characters. Mm-hmm. And because of that, the world... Although cartoony or outlandish or Brechtian or kind of like, you know, fourth wall breaking as they may Mm. be, all of those choices make sense as a way to further clarify the headspace of the main character that we're following. Yeah. And that's what I loved about Annette and what I really like about this episode of Even Stevens. And maybe what I like about, one of the things I like about Schmigadoon on the opposite end of the spectrum is I think I like that those songs are very much of the world itself and are something that is, like, the, the songs are coming from this external force upon this town mm-hmm. and, like, the kind of social construct that that is imposed upon many of these original musicals yeah. of the expectation of form and formula and, and the kind of, like, the way that society formed those things. And over time, it is about how those songs slowly and surely become in form and in function reflections of the characters more as the time goes on. Hmm. It is about the growth of the songs going from something that like the characters are affected by the songs to the songs reflecting the people. I love that. And that that is how we change. That is how we change as, as artists and that is how the art itself changes is when we stop going by form and by expectation and start letting the songs be informed by the characters and by the stories we're telling and go in to out rather than out to within. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's a hundred percent. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Lauren, what do you got to plug? Uh, I would love to plug <laughs> as I always do the vanishing act, which <gasps> is our uh, other podcast that is uh, fully scripted, fully acted, fully designed, um, fully composed. Um, we're about to go into our season two, which uh, I don't know if you've been able to gather based on what we've been talking about this whole episode, may have some songs in it. Maybe. Maybe. Um, we may have... Uh, You'll just have to listen to find out. We may have uh, tripped and fallen and written some songs um, for our characters that are uh, informed a little bit on what we love from this very show and this very episode. Uh, we're very excited. Our second season is gonna be bigger and sillier and shorter shorter it's gonna be five episodes i almost forgot for a second there i was like is it six no it's five it's five there are five episodes and they're coming out this holiday season so it's uh we're going full doctor who and giving you some christmas content um but if you haven't listened to it so far it's 12 episodes first season it's very silly very big and comedic and uh we're very 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 proud of it Many of the people that you've heard guest on this show are also part of that show. And uh, 
and we love it very, very much. You can find us on our website, vanishingpod.com. You can find us on all social media at vanishingpod. And you can find us in the, like, the, wherever you're listening to this podcast, you just go to the search bar and find it there. And you can start listening to it right now. Yeah. You can also, a couple other shows that uh, we want to plug. We, of course, always want to plug Eric Eilerson's uh, mm-hmm. other show, The Living Force, on the Utini Podcast Network. He has a ton of shows. They also have a Patreon where Eric and his partner, Charlie, uh, go through, I think, Star Wars Rebels. So if I you're so, into yeah. Extended Universe Star Wars stuff, highly recommend checking them out. As somebody that is not into Extended Universe Star Wars stuff, uh, they've opened my eyes to quite a few things mm-hmm. that I had written off. So I, I will say give it a listen, even if you are not uh, the biggest of fans. I also want to recommend Lauren and I were a guest on another podcast. You and I were one guest. We were one guest. We became one. We became one. Finally, the experiments Mm -hmm. worked. (laughs) Uh, And we were guests on the... Larry did it for us. (laughs) On the What a Movie podcast, which is a nostalgia-infused movie podcast. Yeah. Very similar to this one. If you want more content like this, just go right over there. Yes, that is run by uh, the wonderful Nicole Knudsen and James Ferrero uh, of the Godfrey Audio Guide. If you have not listened to that show, also it is... Another audio drama. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but listen to the What a Movie podcast. They've done several movies, several of which that we've never done. So go listen to yeah, those. Yeah, we don't have a ton of crossover, which we is really, really, really cool. But we talked about Air Bud with them, and ooh, doggy, it's an episode. Yeah, and they'll be joining us, I believe. Can Next we talk week. about the movie? We can't, we're not. We're not no, let's not talk about the movie we're yet. We're not talking about the movie that we're doing with them, but we're very excited We're very about excited. It. We're going to, we're going to, they're going to be on our show next week because, folks, we're getting into October, and <gasps> it is is spooky season. It's the best month of the year. Honestly, if I get my way, if I have my druthers, we're going to be posting episodes weekly of just horror movies. Oh, we're going to be watching so many horror films. So, thank you very much for listening, folks. Stay safe. Get vaccinated if you can. Get your booster if you can. Wash your hands. Wear your masks so that we can go outside and not be terrified of each other again. Love you all. Thanks for listening. Bye. (laughs)